Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. See here. Okay, I'm going to try to uh, do this Haftarah podcast at the same time audio and video because I've been trying to, my team's been trying to get me to do this and I hope it'll work out. And once I get the hang of it, I'll try from now on, when possible anyway, to uh, put this out on the YouTube as well as on the podcast. Um, but we're looking at the Haftarah today, without getting into further ado, of uh, this week, Parsha Baloso, which of course is Rodi Vesimchi, and uh, the plain meaning, as often happens with the Haftarahs, is they want to get to something that resembles uh, the Parsha, and since in the Parsha, you have Baloso, Saneros, our own lighting the candles on the in the in the in the Mishkan, so we want to find a biblical passage that speaks about the high priest or some priest anyway lighting the candles in base of Mishkan. Of course, in Zechariah's famous uh, prophecy, so you have the seven branch menorah with the uh, you know with the gulos and with the whole thing coming out that uh, very vivid uh, dream in which he says lo below a koach and all that, and so the result is you have a approximation of what's going on in the Parsha. But, the most interesting part, in my opinion, and it was often happens, by the way, <clears throat> they preceded with some extraneous stuff. When it says, that's really the end of the previous, uh, you know, prophecy. But you don't want to start off in bad note, because right away, by Arrhenius, Yeshua, Kona, Godol, that in the famous vision, I know you know this, in the famous uh, prophecy of Zechariah, uh, it's a Nevoah, right? So he sees the Satan standing next to the Kohen Gadol with dirty clothes. It's a Kohen Gadol's dirty clothes. And we don't want to start a Haftorah um, saying you saw the Kohen Gadol with the, being attacked by the Satan. So you proceeded with a couple of psukim beforehand. Uh, and that's why you have, you know, from Parag Bays, let's see over here, uh, the last three or four psukim, until you get to the part by Uranus, Yeshua, Kohen Gadol, Omelich Malchem, Basatno, Megdomin, we don't want to start a Haftar which says that we saw the high priest with Satan about to attack him or something like that. But what's Tutsukta? Why is the Satan, that's the heart of the prophecy, although to be perfectly honest, the main part that I say has to do with our Parsha comes towards the end when he says, Reisi Menorah Zohav Kula Begula Rosha Veshiva that he sees all this uh, seven branched, uh, you know, it's like a menorah. That's a Nevuah, mind you, it didn't happen, okay? Two olive trees, and it's hooked up to the olive trees, and the same malach, you know, the told game trouble before is now facilitating, and you know, he's asking the malach what's going on, and he says, baruchi. Oh, that's nice. But the heart, the controversial part, the interesting part, is what are the dirty clothes that the Kohen Gadol is wearing? <clears throat> that the Sutton is criticizing him for this, and Hashem said, Bug off. Bug off. He's a survivor of the Holocaust, as we say today. Very famous uh, image. Again, it's prophecy. It's a prophetic image. So what are the dirty clothes? So, first of all, we don't know. 
Right? Doesn't tell you in Zechariah why it's dirty clothes. But go and sewing. And what does sewing mean? I mean, sewing means, you know, from... Ugh. Uh, so does he really mean that? You know, is he walking based on English? You know, uh, I mean, it's unthinkable. So what's what's exactly going on over here? There is a famous Chazal that seeks to um, answer this uh, problem in a very sound way. It, w- it would seem by saying the guy had children who married Goyim. You know, he had married sons. Where do you get that from? It says so explicitly in the book of Ezra. If you look in Ezra, which is necessary for everybody to read. And the first six chapters, actually, I'm wrong. This is the last four chapters. The book of Ezra is divided in ten chapters, although the Goyim set up the chapters, but for our purposes. And the first six chapters are no good to what we're going to talk about today, and the last four, because in the last four, Ezra himself shows up in Israel. Second Aliyah, this is right after the second temple is built. Then he comes there to be Mechazik Yiddishkeit, very famously, and he finds the big problem with intermarriage. And he launches a campaign against the intermarriage. That's the substance of the book of Ezra. And the second half. And he names names. Okay. At the very end, <coughs> excuse me, he says, the following good people of Mary Goyim. And he was on a campaign to get him to get rid of them. And two of them are the sons of the high priest of Yoshua, Hakoin Agoro. So it's black and white. Right? It's black and white. He named names. Consequently, when they say you have a vision of somebody lived at that time, Zechariah is a contemporary of Ezra, as you'll see in a minute. So, and you have a, a coin Goro who has this begam with him that his kids are married to Goyim. These would be the dirty clothes. So that's Rashi, you know, and I bet you you've heard that before. <clears throat> you don't need to hear that from me. But it don't say that. And it's not, it, it, it kind of makes sense, but you could all say it doesn't. It's not a push-up shot type work. Because it doesn't say everybody remove the clothes and make your children, you know, <clears throat> get rid of their wives. It doesn't say that. You could say that's what it means in the prophecy, but it's unclear. And so what's really interesting to me <clears throat> is the other mahalachs. Uh, <clears throat> especially, <clears throat> if you take the trouble to look, you got your... Uh, let me see now. Your Ibn Ezra and your Ibn Ezra, Bojan C. All of whom are in the good old fashioned art scroll uh Mikritz Gadolas. No, you don't you don't need me for this. It's the Mikritz Gadolas. And I even highlighted it. When it says over here, the Ibn Ezra is very interesting, and this Rebel Ezra, Bojan C. Who's in the Mikritz Gadolas? I'm not quoting some obscure person. And what are the dirty clothes? Now, uh, I'll go right to Ebenezer and then I'll tell you what the other guy says. Ebenezer says that we're not talking about the intermarriage problem whatsoever because that happened later than this prophecy. They weren't married at the time to go in. You could argue with that and say, well, they must not hung around, they must have been dating or something like that. But Ebenezer says that's a mistake. Rather, and this is fascinating, the problem is different, Zibin Ezra suggests. And that is, the matzah of the Jewish community in Jerusalem <clears throat> at the time of Zechariah and Ezra, prior to the arrival of Nehemiah. 
book of Nehemiah, and these all tied together. Shows up, I think many of you, <clears throat> I hope, are familiar to some degree with Nehemiah. And he is the one who builds the wall around Jerusalem, but the temple's already been built. And he's got issues with the, he has issues with the intermarried Jews who betrayed the Jewish side in favor of their Arab relatives. And Sanballat and all these jerks, leaders of the Shamronim and the others that caused him a lot of trouble. Those are the adventures of the book of Nehemiah. And in there you'll see that the Gaim in general, and I don't blame the Gaim, the Arabs, the Samaritans, the other groups, who knows the leftover from all the jug from Moab and Alma and whatever. We're talking about the beginning of the Second Temple period, 70 years or so after the Chorban. There were no Jews in Israel. The Arabs must have had a field day. Had a grand old time, and now the Jews are coming back. Obviously, they don't want that. And to be perfectly fair, in the book of Ezra, it says that when the Jews show up and start to build the temple as soon as possible, laid the foundations at least, all the Arabs showed up and said, let us join you, and the Jews said, bug off. Lo, lochem, alone, live in the base of Shem. You guys are out of here. So basically, from day one, have a racist attitude. You guys aren't Jewish. Hit the road. They're very insulting. Therefore, it says they made enemies out of everybody. It's understandable. And then the other guys tried to block it. And the first six chapters of Ezra, how they tried to block it. And they were successful. I think everybody's pretty familiar with the story. That, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the, uh, oh, how should I put it? The, um, Le Cyrus, the king of Persia, gave him permission to, uh, return and build a temple. But then, after the Arabs got ticked off, they persuaded Cyrus to put a stop order, which he did. And for 18 years, you weren't allowed to complete the building of the base of Megdush. So it was like a mess. And after 18 years, something happened, and it worked out. They were able to build the base of Megdush. So that means <clears throat> that the time we're talking about, the temple was half built, half finished, and the Arabs were in a position to block the building of the base of Megdush and the functioning of the high priest, obviously. According to Ben Ezra, that is where today's Haftar is going. The Satan who is blocking him in a prophetic dream is not Satan, the devil, but rather it's the Arabs. The Arabs, the Shomronim, the Moab, the Ammon, all the other junk that was running around over there. <coughs> it's them. As the Ben Ezra says, Hasatan is Ha'oyev, Sasambalat, right? Uh, these are the satans, meaning the enemies of the high priest Joshua. And they didn't want the base of Megs to be built. And then our hero, Yoshua ben Yotzedek, who is the first coin gadol of the Baishani period, through Bubba was the head guy, and Yoshua ben Yotzedek who's the character in our Haftarah today, he's supposed to be the first coin god, and he eventually was. Okay? And he's the one whose children went off the derrick, so to speak. So, it says over there, Vayarenius Yeshua coin of the prophet Zechariah, who is living at that time, is saying, uh, oh, I, I saw a vision of Yeshua coin of lifting Malach Hashem, but there was an enemy trying to block him. Okay? And I saw Hashem saying 
hit the road. Yigar Hashem B'chasadon, Bigar B'chim B'shalayim, God has chosen Jerusalem, so I don't want to hear any efforts on your part to block it. Halozem Uzumesh. This guy's a survivor from the fire of the Gullahs. Some say that the, uh, well, anyway, but Yeshua Lovish Begonim Tzoim, in this vision, Yeshua was wearing very dirty clothes and standing for the Malach. Okay? And so, the Ebenezer would say, and so would the other one, uh, and I think the Barbara also, that the problem over here was they're claiming that the Baishani is junky compared to Bais Rishon, which was true. Especially at the very beginning, <coughs> they put up what we call temporary, <coughs> kind of a shack type situation. It's not about dick. And so you have the Baishani not starting in the best foot. Not starting in the best foot. And so the result would be, uh, as he says over here, Ki abagodim, I'm reading from Divin Ezra. Habagonim at sowing, uh, what does it recommend, uh, represent? Lohailo big de covers It's literally true. Now, it doesn't mean they were covered with soa, they were junky clothes. So here you have a situation in which the first Jews to come back, time is Rubavel and all the rest of it, do not come back with a lot of money. And it's sad. And they come back, as we would say, survivors, first generation, trying to put it together. Now, they do want to build a base in Migdash, but they haven't been supplied with cash the way they should be. Now, it does say in the book of Ezra that the others gave money, gold, and silver. It obviously wasn't enough. Base in Migdash is a big operation. I don't need to remind you that Shlomo Melch built the first time around, and what they had was not sufficient. And later on in the book of Ezra, it says they're going to bring extra money and stuff like that, but now they didn't have it. Since they didn't have it, <coughs> there are people who say, how can you run, <coughs> excuse me, how can you run a base in Migdash? It's going to be a junky operation. It's not Bakovedik, and therefore it's an insult to Hashem. And the prophet Zechariah is telling him this week's Torah, no, it's not an insult to Hashem. Hanochon ki lohoyla big day kovet v'tiferes. They didn't have kovet v'tiferes, the proper, uh, you know, uh, the vessels, uh, vestments of the base of Migdash. Well, that's true. You and I know where were the proper clothing, the base of Migdash. Uh, Achashverosh had it. Belshazzar had it, right? Bekelim, Bekelim, Shonim. What do they say? Uh, the Gemara said, you know this Gemara in Megillah. Uh, Achashverosh was wearing the thing of the high priest because of that party he threw at the beginning of the Book of Esther. He thought that the base mission is not going to happen. Seventy years are up. Nothing happened. We took out the Kalim and the base mission, including the clothing of the Kohen Gadol. That's one of the bad things the Jews did. Russia, how can you go to a party in which the guy's wearing the clothes of the Kohen Gadol, like making fun of the Jews in terms of the fact that it's never going to happen again. You're not going to get a temple back. You know, how can you be part of that? So the good stuff was back in Persia. What they brought was junk. Kilo because the Ibn Ezra says all the Jews had when they're trying to set up the second temple they put up a stone altar. So basically, when it says the Kohen Gadol is not wearing good clothes, the Ibn Ezra takes that as not literally true in the sense that he had dirty clothes and covered with tzewa, but not by covered it. 
El Chipo, as we would say today, certainly not fitting the level of the base of Middash. And so the question at that time was, <coughs> very interesting, this is giving us, as I understand it, that's all I can ever do, the insight, what was the popular feeling at the very, very beginning, especially during those 18 years of the stop order, how did the Jews take that? They marched all the way from Babel back to Israel, the 40,000 or whoever it was, and they started their best, started the base of Misha, and then God made it that it shouldn't happen because there was this stop order in the part of Cyrus, which was continued through Achashesh, down until Pesach Achashesh, as we all know. Now, um, I'm sure a lot of people say like this, <clears throat> Hashem doesn't like what we're doing. This Minashamayim, it's like a Satmer or something like that. You know, who says that we're doing the right thing? If it was meant to be the right thing, we would have showed up like Shlomo Melch with a, with a trillion dollar check. Money would be no problem. We could order stuff from all over the place. We're not doing it. If Hashem has blocked it, it must mean God disapproves of what we're doing. Therefore, the coin God will take off Kaparis, the base of Misha is not ready yet. And they don't do it. Now, the people settled into this way of thinking. And Zechariah is one of the people who was responsible after 18 years for shaking the people out of their lethargy and tell them, let's go and finish the job. How do I know that? It says in the book of Ezra, which I have in front of me, right? It's very famous. I know Ezra pretty well. In the beginning of this fifth chapter, it says, You know, it's Aramaic. Then all of a sudden, Chagai, the Navi, and Zechariah, ding, 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 that's our Haftar today, Zechariah. They started prophesying Al Yudoi to be Huru Yushlam, who were in June in Jerusalem, B'Shem Elohad Yisrael Lehan, in the name of the God of Israel. Now, it doesn't tell you, you know, what uh, uh, he prophesied. But obviously, as you follow on, he said, get off your duff and start rebuilding the base of Mesh and Fregnish and Shilas. Don't say the Persians have forbidden it. Just do it. Hashem said, just do it. And then, through Bubble and our hero, the high priest Joshua, Yeshua Yosedek, the Sarif, to build the base Migdash, no, it's to pick up where he left off 18 years ago and to finish the job. And the Novis were with them, helping them. So Zechariah himself was involved in the project of finishing up the job. Now, I've spoken about this before. If you know what's going on at that particular time, you'll know that the fix was in. The 18 years correspond to the end of the period of Ahasuerus and the rise of the king after Ahasuerus, which would be the son, according to the Jewish tradition. Um, the son of Ahasuerus would be the son of Esther, who's a baby. Therefore, the country's run by a regency. The big machers on the regency was the prime minister Mordechai. That's where we left off last time. The Mordechai at the end of the reign of Ahasuerus was the prime minister. Because the book of Ezra takes place not too long before the end of Ahasuerus. <coughs> if you do the numbers, you'll see I'm right. So basically, the guy who got married to Esther, then had the story of Purim. <coughs> then they had a baby, because until then, she was a Mishamish Bemoch. And after the baby's a year old, something like that, two years, I forget, he's dead. 
Maybe she gave him a poison mushroom for all I know. He's gone. So who's running the empire? Not a, not a one-year-old child, not a two-, three-, four-year-old child. And nevertheless, in the book of Ezra, this child, Daryavish, is sending letters out and giving orders. Well, obviously, the mover behind the throne, the people, were really doing this as Mordecai and the others. So when Hashem tells Zechariah and Chagah, but Zechariah, the Arhav Torah today, who's living in Jerusalem, uh, and he's not up, I don't know whether he knew what's happening in Persia or not, who the prime minister is, whatever. Hashem said, tell everybody to get up. As, and, the, and the book of Ezra is very diplomatic. You know, uh, it's written in a very enigmatic and wonderful way. I've spoken about that before. And all it says is, that they prophesied the name of God Israel. It doesn't tell you what they said, but the next passage tells you they started to build the second temple. And the person showed up, and the officer said, who gave you permission? But by the time the story's over, by the time the story's over, um, what, she, what can I tell you? The uh, It went through fine. The king of Persia said, or Mordechai, uh, make a check of the uh, archives, you'll find, you know, let me put it this way, the document they wanted to find, which gave permission to build a temple by Cyrus, they found. The document which puts the stop order they lost, like that, and uh, the whole, everything happened happy ending. According to Ben Ezra, I'm just giving you a completely alternative explanation today to the usual one that he's talking about the intermarried children. The Ben Ezra and some others say, you know, it's a push-up shop thing. And that's very dramatic. And when it says, the Sultan says, how can you build a temple with these dirty clothes? Whereas the Ibn Ezra says, without a Mizbech Azov, and oh, we don't have what we need. And Hashem is saying like this, just do it, don't worry about it. And the meaning of the prophecy, because it's a nevuah, is Hashem is saying, do it. And that's the meaning of which would mean, Hashem says, if you have the right ruach, that's all that matters. If they start a basic machine in a junky way, they'll fix it as they go on, which they did. And they'll improve it as time goes on. But get the thing started. Not by my chayal b'koch, not by my power. No, I don't need like Shlomo Melch, gold and silver and diamonds all over the place. Shlomo could afford it. I mean, the guy was loaded. But these guys are not loaded. Kim Baruch. And it's okay, because the real um, menorah in Shemaim is fed by these olive trees. And, you know, in other words, spiritually, the right stuff is happening. You do your part downstairs and upstairs, whatever needs to happen as far as the Hadlokas and there is every day and their mystical effect on the universe and the offering of the Karbonas, all the rest of it, it'll happen the way it's supposed to happen. And I, God, don't mind about this. You see? And the effect is they will remove the dirty clothes and put on clean clothes, which I guess to the manager would mean like this. <clears throat> Set it up, <clears throat> El Cheapo, use plastic as they say today, and don't worry, when you get a little bit more money, when more Jews show up, things they'll, they'll fix it. They'll improve it. Uh, and uh, Rebbe Lezabozhansik says something along those lines. Um, I'm inviting you to take a look at it. He says the clothes weren't dirty. They were motion. They were uh, smoked, you know, uh, burning. They were uh, not proper covered. But it all boils down to the same idea. And I'm supplying the part about the historical context. 
Because if it's true what he says, there's a time when Jews are complaining, Jews and elders are complaining about the lack of dignity and the uh, level of the uh, architecture and the uh, whatever they're able to build in the second temple. That seems a big deal. That seems a big deal. That is the meaning when it says in the book of Ezra that the Lord prophesied through Zechariah the next thing you know they started building. Which is, don't worry about all this cheap stuff because Kim Baruchi. Now this, therefore, leaves us with a very interesting Torah when you look at the mega historical meaning of it, which is what I'm always interested in. The mega history and the meta history would be the following. We're left with two models. Very interesting. And it could affect the state of Israel today, depending how you look at it. The first temple, as we all know, is very interesting. They waited a couple hundred years till everything was just right. They built a base of Israel, everything was just right. That's one model. That's like a, so to speak, kind of a Lechatechila type situation. The Jews were hundreds of years in Eretz Israel, as we know, in the time of Shoftim. They never captured Yushalayim. They didn't get their act together to have one Melech and be organized in one Malucha. Until you finally got to Shlomo. So he would represent the culmination of 400 and some years of development till reach, things reached the right point. Uh, it was one Malucha. They were loaded. They had peace, prosperity. Ishtachas Te'eno, Ishtachas Gafno. Everything was going right. Okay, if everything's going right, now you build a, a base of Mish on a Lechatechila dip away. Top of the line. Billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, because you're doing it right. So that's what you would say would represent the model of, if you do a mitzvah, make sure you get it right. And if it takes time, take the time to do it right. Better than doing it in a Bidyevit type of way. And fine. The second temple <coughs> represents a different model. If they didn't wait till they got it right. As soon as they arrived in Israel, though, from the second temple, <coughs> period, through Bavel and Yeshua being upset, they were broke, they didn't have the right clothes, and they didn't have the right this and that and the other. They immediately, in the book of Ezra, they said, they immediately started the, the first altar up. And asking for divine help to improve it as things go on. And they had ups and downs. And indeed, <coughs> the Bayez Shani was built if I can use the term in a Bidieva type way. However, as time went on, they fixed it. And by the time we got a little bit later, basically it was a pretty, pretty fancy operation. The reason I say that is because I know Herod built the third temple way at the end, just before the Korban. But if you look at foreign sources, comes to mind the letter of Aristeus, and some others. People visited the Jewish temple, had a reputation for splendid architecture and all that kind of business. Maybe it wasn't like Shlomo Melch, but whatever, according to the period of Bayesheni, instead of a very Chashua situation, a very Chashua building, it was run very well, we find from these other sources. So clearly, they replaced the El Chipo stuff as time went on. Hanukkah, you may possibly recall, According to some, I don't want to get into this discussion now, when the Maccabees captured the temple, they put up seven spears. 
and that was their menorah, because the Greeks had used up all the menorah, melted it down. But the Gemara tells us very famously that as time went on, they replaced that with a proper menorah, made out of gold in the super fancy schmancy way, you know, the way that the uh, menorah has to be made. Then they did it. So you have almost like a Musar Haskell. There are sometimes, and some people, they say, I don't want to do something unless all the conditions are perfect. And uh, until it's ready, I don't want it to happen. Okay? But on the other hand, there's the other model, which says like this. Do the mitzvah now. Do it the best you can. Start it up. And um, as time goes on, you'll, you'll be in the position to improve it. Because if you don't start it now, it probably won't happen. Right? As you see over here, there was an essay for Hashem to say to the Satan, which according to the end of the if I can use the term bad Jews, I don't want to say they're bad Jews, but those, these are Jews. This is Ebenezer's interpretation. We're traveling the block, the second temple from being implemented because uh, it wasn't perfect. It was begotten so him. Uh, and Hashem is saying, Gigar Hashem, son, bug out of here. I don't want to hear that. I want him to start now, no matter how it looks. If Hashem, this is a Navi, this is a Navua, the Bernie Shalom is telling you that's what he wants, then that means that's the right way to go. So it's very interesting, you know, a good rabbi can make a nice sermon out of all this. Uh, you know, do you go the perfect route, or do you go to the Be'evit immediate route and get the thing started and going? Um, there are many successful yeshivas and places that get started on the seat of their pants, you know, in a small one-room situation, because they say, let's get off the ground. And as time goes on, eventually we'll get to a big fancy campus. You know? But if you say, I'm not starting the school or the yeshiva or whatever the enterprise is until I get all my money together and we buy the campus and we have the building and the dorms are just right and all the rest of it. If you're a shlomo milk, you can pull it off. A lot of a lot of good projects will be frustrated by the inability to get the perfect, because we all know the perfect is the enemy of the good. I share this today because most of the time, myself included, you take the easy way out of understanding this prophecy and you say, it's referring to the fact that the guy had children to marry Goyim. And that is a totally Mahalaka Chazal and Rashi says and all the rest of it. It's well known. But there are other interpretations and perhaps interpretations that are more Nogeata, shall I say, are more striking and ones which take place, which, which take account of very interesting and fascinating uh, circumstances at the time in terms of how the Jews in Jerusalem thought about the project of the Beis Amish and things like that in wake of the fact that they came at great deprivation. They started Beis Amish and then God ordered Cyrus, you know, to stop and look like the Arabs were being successful. And, you know, uh, they took it in the wrong way. That's the meaning of prophecy. Uh, how this fits with the state of Israel today is very interesting. Because, you know, if you want to, you can play it this way. You can play it a lot of ways. If you want to, you can play it this way. Theoretically, we should wait till all the Jews are from and set up a, a Moetzis Gedolia whatever you want to call it, and only then make a modern state or whatever, you know, away from a Shiach or whatever. That's the Paisrishan model. Uh, so you wait, wait, wait. But when you do it, you do it right and fancy. The other way is the Baishani model, which is what's happened. You start your best, you set up a country. It's 
You have begotten sewing. <laughs> no, there's a lot of problems out there. It doesn't look the way it's supposed to look. But, you know, so it won't be exactly religiously the way you want it now, but you improve it as you go along and eventually to get where you want to go. I don't know. These are the ideas that that struck me uh, with this Haftarah. This is being sponsored today uh, by Dove Hirsch in Muncie. Well, thank him uh, very much. And it's in Zecher uh, Nishmas's grandfather, Yisrael uh, Shlomo ben Chaim Tzvi Akoin. It's very nice from the other day I mentioned to me and he, and he uh, undertook to uh, to sponsor this. And uh, I hope this will work out, as I say before, both in the audio as well as the video. And in that case, this uh, if it's true, this will be a historic uh, podcast and YouTube video. Let's see what happens. With that, I bid you a good day and a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.